What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Ableton Music Producer Podcast. Today, we have the special guest, Tyler Morris, also produces under the name West End. He's a tech house producer, DJ, and educator based in New York. He's worked with established artists like Diplo, MK, Claude Von Stroke, Joel Corey, many others. His singles have hit the charts, including his song Jumpin', which peaked at number two on Beatport. He was also ranked the seventh best-selling tech house artist overall on Beatport. He's also played major music festivals all over the country, including EDC. And he also runs the music production training website Kick and Bass, including a Discord server providing one-on-one mentorship and video tutorial training on how to produce tech house music. In this episode, we talk about a lot of different things, such as what it was like for him to quit his full-time 9 to 5, to make music a career producing DJing, how he did that. He talks about his favorite music production plugins, also talks about some of his favorite bass instrument plugins. We also talk about our DIY setup for working inside of a small studio space. He shares a little bit about his training and some tips and tricks that he teaches to his students. It's a lot of random good conversation in this episode. Before we dive in, I just wanted to let you know, I'm actually looking to hire part-time for the podcast. So if you want to hang out with me and help me and the team build up this podcast, I'm searching for a brand partnerships and marketing coordinator part-time. If you have experience working in the music industry in some fashion, if you have a basic understanding of producing using plugins, gear, etc., and you also have experience in marketing or sales or management, and you're a rock star at sending emails, then I encourage you to apply. We'd love to meet you and see if it would be a good fit to work together. Ideally, this would only be about four to eight hours per week, uh, very part-time. But if you're interested in learning more, check out the description at liveproducersonline.com slash jobs. That's liveproducersonline.com slash jobs. Also, wherever you're listening, if you would hit that follow button, like subscribe, wherever, really help me out in this podcast and if you want to join the newsletter be the first to get new episodes and get some cool free ableton content join the newsletter go to liveproducersonline.com slash newsletter much love to all of you out there hope you enjoy this episode and yeah without wasting more time let's dive in dude thanks for joining the podcast yeah man of course i i didn't realize you work with um michael oh michael yeah mcreynolds yeah, so I, I've known him for a while. Like he, we've, I don't know if we've played shows together, but like he was good friends with this guy Corey that would throw these like, you know, the festival Holy Ship. Yeah. So he would like it's called like Ship Fam, and I don't know. I, I think I met Michael up there, but I, I've known him for a little bit. So it's yeah, it is a small world. It keeps getting smaller the more I do this. Yeah, Michael's super cool, dude. He does the scheduling for my podcast and produces under the name Sweater Disco. Yeah, he's got the coolest hair. He's got the best dance moves. He's just like always got this bounce. He's like this tall, lanky dude with the fro. He's just getting it. <laughs> he's great. I love him. Uh, are you in the? You're not in the same city as him, are you? We are for now. My lease just finished, and I live in Indianapolis for now. But I'm moving to Denver. Nice. Yeah, so, that, I think that was the last time I saw him. I think I did a show at like the Patron Saint. Yeah, yeah, I played there a few times. That's a cool little underground spot cool i remember they gave me uh like fernet or something they gave me like some alcohol that was just the most disgusting vile thing ever it was like some <laughs> i don't know if it was fernet or like something else but it was like so hard to drink but ever had it it's a cool little club there yeah maybe just update your rider and shove it in their face next time you play <laughs> so like, was not on the rider it was like a special they're like you gotta try yeah. this i was like okay that's funny where are you based out of right now no i live in new york city I grew up here. Um, Man, I love New York City. How is New York these days? It's good. I mean, like most people, when they ask that question, it's like a COVID-related thing because it was like we were like the first city to be hit crazy, and then like we had all the regs and stuff. But yeah. Um, yeah. It's good. Like right now, it's like you know we just got out crazy snowstorm. Like this is probably my least favorite time in New York is like January to February, just because it's like it's dark swirly it's really cold like very cold doesn't have that energy so like i'm I'm, i usually try to go somewhere else for a few weeks uh i wish i did go this year i went to costa rica in january but no it's good it'll get better in new york so yeah did you ride that horse all the way back to the states i saw your facebook post do you still have your horse uh i don't that was the first time i've ever really been horseback riding and i was like this is amazing like i need to do this more because the thing is is that normally when you go horseback riding 
like in the States or something, like you don't get to gallop on the horse. You kind of just get to like trot around and like see things. It's like very chill. But here it was like started off just like walking slowly. And then she's like, okay, all right, now we're going to go like a little fast. I forgot what it's called, like trotting maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and it, it like hurts. Like you're, you gotta like oh, yeah. the horse or else it's like your ass is like sore. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You don't want to wear like gym shorts. <laughs> That's about it. I wore like long pants and I was like, fuck it. And like my legs were chafing so bad the whole time. Cause it's like, oh man, rubbing against the saddle. But, and then yeah. we started galloping and stuff. And I was like, this is crazy. Like I'm actually like galloping on the beach with this horse. It was like the sickest thing ever. That sounds amazing. Yeah. First time I went horseback riding was a while ago. And I just remember I felt like I was in that horse sitting position for like two days afterwards because I sat on it for so long. But luckily, I wasn't too sore, but my friend's ass, he like, could not walk afterwards. He was like, that was horrible. But- it's like waddling real hard. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, dude, thanks for joining the podcast. I'll give you a proper intro. Um, but yeah, I'd love to learn a little bit more about you and then just kind of hear about your musical background, how that led you into Ableton Live. And maybe we can just start nerding out about like some of your production process and your membership and what you're teaching these days. Yeah, for sure. I think that sounds like a great plan. Yeah, so I like really young, never really like learned an instrument or anything, but I did like to listen to music a lot as a, as a young person. A lot of times I hear people say like their parents were super influential in their music. But for me, like there was no speakers in the house, like parents aren't like strict or anything. They were just like never really listened or showed us showed me that much music. So, you know, I, I grew up on like hip hop, Jay-Z, Eminem, huge Eminem fan. Um, And then like in high school, got a little into like rock. I didn't really discover electronic music until like the middle of high school. And like the first kind of electronic group where I was like, got like an obsession for was Justice. Um, Their album Frost, like that was like, this is the coolest thing ever. For sure. That was a classic, man. I listened to that on repeat for a while. It's just, it's such good electronic music. And um it was kind of like my daft punk so that that's when i got into it and then i kind of like went down like the youtube hole at the time and this was like when like blog house was really big so it was kind of like this post late 2000s electro like early like 2011 2012 and like edm was starting to get big like progressive house was huge you had people like alesso tommy trash the Swedish, all the Swedish guys. So that's like kind of when I really got like obsessed with electronic music. And I was like, that's like the only thing I listened to at my school where I went to school. I went to this high school called Bronx Science. It's like a pretty, it's like a public school in New York, really big, like 3,500 kids for the whole school, um, just a high school. And they had an electronic music lab. So it was like a classroom with maybe 30 computers, uh, like IMAX with a little like MIDI keyboard, 25 key MIDI keyboard and uh, Reason installed on it. And it was like a class you could take and the teacher would kind of go over like synthesis, like how an envelope works, what a filter is, um, then would go over like, you know, a timeline and what an EQ is. And like, basically kind of like how you could like make music. It wasn't electronic music focused, but obviously with like the synthesizer, it was, uh, you know, I, I was making like little electronic beats in that class. And like, that was my favorite class. Um, it's funny because Robert Moog, who invented the Moog synthesizer, he went to my high school. So that no way. that whole digital music lab, yeah, was donated by his daughter. Um, so it's wow. a, my high school has a lot of like really cool alumni, like Neil deGrasse Tyson went there. Wow. We have like 10 Nobel Prize winners. Like it's, it's pretty crazy. It's like a prestigious technical kind of high school sounds like it yeah so that's kind of like where I was like I first dabbled with like making electronic music and I had never like played instrument before that I played guitar like a little bit but nothing never really like got super into it and at the same time that I was taking this class I got into DJing so I had a friend in high school that was um he had like a little DJ controller like the one you plug in your laptop and in New York City it's hard to have like parties because everyone lives in like a I live in like Manhattan like in an apartment building yeah we're at in Manhattan because I used to live in Chelsea okay, on like cool. 17th and 7th so I was I grew up on uh 73rd and West End so that's okay, really cool but um yeah so like we would have these little like apartment parties and then like we'd rent out like different spaces around New York like one was like a community center like we use a fake ID and like <laughs> rent out these places like one time it was like a synagogue or something like the bottom of a synagogue but we throw these like little like ragers there it would be like 
tickets kind of and like we'd make like jungle juice and it would be like 150 kids bring in some pas and me and this kid would dj just like 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 edm pretty much progressive house like yeah to uh to all these kids and so that's where i kind of fell in love with like djing and like producing it was like it's kind of at the same time so like some producers it's like they produce first and then they get into like the performing aspect for me it was like pretty much at the same time but yeah that's kind of how i got my start and then from there, you know, it was, I took production with me. Um, I went to, to college, not for music production, um, but it was like my kind of thing there. You know, when I was done with class, I would go open up the computer, make beats. Same thing, I would DJ in college as well. Like a lot of fraternity and sorority parties and like little things. Um, and I went to school in Durham, North Carolina. So there was not like electronic music wasn't big there what the college kids wanted to hear was like hip hop and like pop music and throwbacks. And so I, I mostly didn't play electronic music at the time. I was kind of, I would try to sneak it in a little bit and, you know, I could get away with some stuff, but like it was a lot of just kind of open format DJing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, from there I graduated college and started working. I moved back to New York city. I started working at like a tech company, um, like a nine to five, not doing like computer engineering, but like a lot of Excel, a little bit of coding and stuff. And um, would just like work on music when I got home from work, um, started to get a couple gigs like in the city, little like bars and stuff. And um, just kind of like always kept it up. And then one day I was like, oh, this is, you know, I really want to do this full time. If there's no better time for me to like quit and give this my all. So I quit my day job and kind of haven't looked back since. And just kind of build myself from there yeah man well it seems like oh, it's been sorry. working <laughs> no i mean that's good that was actually pretty short compared to a lot of people on the podcast yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I can make it longer but like i right. like, yeah you know. i mean i hear that a lot from people who are like you know you only have so much time in a day and at some point i feel like a lot of artists just have to make a commitment i'm going to do this full time for x amount of years or whatever and just try to make it work and hit that threshold to where they either like make it a career where they have the ability to sustain themselves off their own art or a lot of people try to do the nine to five thing full time and then also do their art which can work in some scenarios but that's like really hard but but yeah man that's cool it seems like it's worked out though you've had some really interesting things like your track jumping was like number two on beatport for like four weeks and hitting the charts and you played like edc not too long ago and i saw some photos on your socials that looked pretty awesome yeah, no, it, it's 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 definitely been like to, to go back to what you were um, mentioning before about the kind of all or nothing aspect. Like I've noticed that with a lot of my friends, because I, I, I've been like kind of like in the circuit or the scene for like, I would say like five, six years, like knowing other DJs and, and stuff and like playing um, and like you get to see artists like start from wherever they are and kind of, you know, get to wherever they are now. Sometimes that's up, sometimes that's down. But like what I do notice is that the ones that like quit their job and like kind of gave themselves no plan B, they almost all succeeded. Like there's so many cases of people that I know that were like that. Like a good example is John Summit. Like we've been buddies for like four or five years now. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. So he like I remember he was like working accounting and he was like asking me, he's like, oh, I don't know if I should quit, blah, blah, blah. And this was like maybe a few months after I quit. And it was like um i was like dude you gotta quit like it's just you your whole like attention and like your whole everything you think about every single day is like how do i survive how do i get to the next point how do i do x y z so it's like almost by forcing yourself to do those things like i don't i don't believe in like that manifest shit for the most part but it was like you kind of like manifest your yourself into existence by putting yourself in a scenario and a lot of people that i think are really talented producers and like are not you know, just as talented as the guys that are the guys and girls that are DJing now. It's mm-hmm. not that they necessarily aren't as good as them or not as good as like branding or whatever it is. It's mostly that they just like life hits them and they can't do it full time. So yeah. maybe they have a kid, maybe they, you know, blah, 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 whatever it is. It's like, it's more of just like a, you have to put all your eggs in kind of one basket if you want to do it. No, but- I totally agree, man. What I will say is the exception is like there are some people like uh, Jay Wara, who's um, an amazing like tech house DJ and uh, tech house, but house DJ producer. Um, I've known her for a really long time. She's been working as like a big touring DJ 
working her full-time job for the last like three or four years i had no clue like she's literally like playing all these festivals playing all these shows all the time you know releasing a huge amount of music like like it's a it's a full-time job and like she like posted like only a few weeks ago she was like oh i just quit my day job after five years of doing it back and forth i was like i don't know how the fuck you did that because yeah right it's like honestly and i was like so impressed so it's like you know if you have the will like you can do both like for sure but it's possible but definitely hard unless you have like a time machine or something nobody knows about yeah or be cool you're just super really good like time management and yeah and have and probably even have a team to help you like offload some of that work as well for sure it it took me a long time like when i first quit my job those first like year and a half two years was like really hard for me because i'm like a person that does super well with like structure um so i would go into the work and like you know there'd be emails with like what i have to do and i was like oh my god i have all this time and i don't have that much to do because like i wasn't you know as big as a dj back then so it wasn't like there was just things to do all the time and like it was really bad for my mental health i was like playing video games all the time and just like didn't know what to do and it's only like kind of since the pandemic where i was like okay i kind of figured out like a routine and Mm -hmm. like I love it now. I love working for myself. I love like the entrepreneurship of being like an independent artist, but yeah. um, it took me a while to get there. It's not, it's definitely not an easy road. Oh, it's definitely not, man. I know that for myself as well. Like as an entrepreneur, you know, some days I wake up and I'm like, I'm not wearing pants today. I don't want to do any work. I just kind of want to sit there and like play command and conquer on my phone. And then other days, like you just wake up and you're grinding until like 3 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. Having that flexibility, I think for people it's the personality thing i think some people are really good at being like self-motivated and organized other people are just like chasing circles and they need structure from somebody else to tell them what to do you could definitely learn it though like i'm i definitely wasn't that kind of person but um you kind of end up with your own like like, i'm not really in a routine like i don't wake up at the same time every day like just like you you know some days i like you know play call of duty for a few hours during the day whatever but it's a learning process like yeah get better over time yeah well somebody needs to save the world from the zombies with call of duty though it's important it's an important task exactly sure i've been there yeah (laughs) yeah let's talk about like what you're doing now because you started this membership uh kickbase or kick-base.com for anybody listening yeah kick a base so yeah basically how did that start i mean obviously the pandemic hit and that was a big part of it from what i know yeah so so basically i'll give you kind of like the background before kick and bass and then kind of explain what it is and you know how we're running that so yeah when the pandemic started i was like fuck i can't dj i really have no income because like the kind of music i do like i don't really get like syncs or anything i'm like i'm making like maybe a few hundred bucks on like you know at the time on uh yeah spotify royalties and stuff so i was like all right fuck this sucks um so yeah. someone like reached out to me this guy moose is another dj uh from cincinnati and he was like hey like are you doing any like lessons like zoom lessons i know a couple other djs that are doing that like i would love to pay you to kind of you know open ableton with me and work on some music and i was like so hesitant i was like uh i don't know like well i'm not really a teacher like i don't really know what i would talk about but whatever let's like try it out and we did a session i forgot like if i showed him a project file or if he had one of his projects for me, but um, I ended up like really enjoying the teaching aspect of music production. I'd never really done it before, but you know, I've always like loved to explain things to people. I was like a debater in high school. I like to talk a lot. You'll probably see at by the end of this interview. So. <laughs> it's good. So, so basically I did this session and I was like, oh, this was like pretty enjoyable. I have all this time and I have no money. So I, I got to do something. Um, so I basically like did a little Instagram post and like put on a suit and like nerdy glasses. And I was like, tech house one-on-one is open. I am taking like lessons for zoom. It's going to be like $50 an hour. Um, and like, since I did that post, like the, the first three weeks I had like so many people like reach out to me. Like it's awesome. I was doing like maybe close to like 30 hours in zoom in a week, which is like a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of lessons. Maybe not 30. Maybe it was like t- between 20 and 25, but it was like four or five hours in zoom, like a day. So some two hour lessons, some one hour. And I, it was like a grind and I was like really giving it my all. Like people would give me their project files. I would like go in, open their project files, like go in, change things, really kind of like help them and their music. And, um, 
I did this for like pretty much all of 2020. It was like every day during the week, just schedule lessons, get on Zoom, work with people. Um, so I had a lot of like repeat clients that were people I maybe did like 20 sessions with. I had, you know, some that did one session and then none, mostly not like complete beginners, like mostly producers that kind of knew their way around Ableton a little bit, but like needed like to work on like their mixing skills or composition or like, you know, how to sound more professional. I did do a couple people from scratch, but wasn't my specialty. Like I was yeah. more, it's a totally different skill to kind of teach from scratch. But yeah, I did that all of 2020. And then early 2021, I was kind of getting like burnt out a little bit. Um, shows were starting to come back. There was kind of like light at the end of the tunnel with with this like vaccine coming out. And I was, I was just like too hard to schedule everything. And like, I didn't like that I had to like be at home at a certain time and be in front of Ableton. So I was kind of kind of stopped doing the lessons for a bit and, and then took a, yeah. So it took a break for a few weeks and then I was like, okay, like I I've done this education for a while. And like, I know I'm good at explaining concepts to people and like showing them, you know, all these different aspects of music production. So I was like, you know, why don't I make like a YouTube video where I just try to make a, a track from scratch in like an hour. And I did that. And I think it was like February of 2021 and uploaded it and had like no subscribers on my channel, like maybe 30 people or something. The The video got like a lot of kind of natural algorithmic views and likes and people were like really responded well to the, to the video. And I was like, okay, so there's definitely something here. And that was like my first time taking my Zoom sessions and like trying to do it for like a lot of people at once by putting like a video. And I was like, okay, so I definitely can do something with like these videos, like people are definitely enjoying them. And I basically was approached by another producer that was in a production discord. I never heard of what like a production discord was at the time, but it was basically through another artist for kind of different house genre, this like minimal house. And he's like, yo, I'm in this discord. This is kind of how it works. Um, I think, you know, we could work together and make our own discord that's specifically focused on the genre that you work on, which is tech house. Um, and this was like maybe May of 2021 last year. And so I was like so skeptical because like I was really playing a lot of shows at this time. Um, I had some success with like my music, like Jumpin' had hit number two on Beatport. You know, I was like, okay, there's definitely like my career is going well at this moment. Like, do I really want to like, invest my energy into like this new business venture and try to create this community. Um, and I was like, fuck it, let's just try it. Like worst comes to worst, it fails and whatever. So we were like, yeah. okay, I'm going to have to record a shit ton of videos. So basically what I did was I recorded like 10 to 15 hours of tutorial content, kind of similar to like what I did on YouTube. So I did some track breakdowns of my own tracks. I did some more like high level stuff, like on mixing tech house and some stuff on like, like arrangement and some little tips and tricks. Like I basically tried to cover like a bunch of different areas. We pre-recorded all these videos, we built a website and then we launched then like July 1st. And I think like the first day we had like 30 people like in the discord and this is like a paid discord. It wasn't like you could be yeah. there for free. It's like a private uh, server. Yeah. Yeah. It's a private server. It's like linked to like a credit card, your account. And so like the first day we had like 30 to 40 people and I was like, holy shit. Like that's I thought awesome. I was like, I thought we we're going to have like 40 people, like by the end of like three months. And I severely underestimated like the, how much people wanted to kind of like learn and get better as a producer. And from July 1st, now we have around like 360 members. That's great. Um, man. That's awesome. It's kind of been like my full-time job other than being like a producer and DJ. And it, it honestly, sometimes it takes more work than that, but to give an overview of like what exactly it is. It's called Kick and Bass. It's a it's a production community in Discord. Um, and the the best part, in my opinion, is the community. It's like 350 producers from all over the world that are all like super active in the Discord. And um, you know, we have a community feedback channel. People give each other feedback on their music. People start collaborations there. It's like all these producers that are really trying to just be the best they can be on this one specific genre, like all yeah. in this like talking every day all day and i have two other coaches um well, we're gonna have three now but moose who's that's why it's funny because he was the first guy to book a lesson and yeah. now i hired him as a assistant coach and this guy hater um he's an italian tech house producer so you can send us uh one of your tracks 
and we give you like in-depth like written kind of bullet point feedbacks on big things for the track like you know you're missing a lot of mids in the the drops like they sound very empty and then you have like specific things like you know this sound right here is piercing and it has some resonance or whatever it is but you get like a, a really good comprehensive list of feedback um and you get that twice a month so you get two tracks with that feedbacks and you also get this thing we call it like our label program so it's an idea i came up with but basically throughout my career i've connected with all these different anrs from labels and i know how hard it is as a producer to get your music out there and heard so sure. i basically built this kind of program where we work with the anrs um, people can submit their tracks and if i'm like okay i think this is actually like a really good fit for this label i kind of personally send and voucher it to the anr and we've had some like really sick success stories there um that's cool, man. I love that. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of online schools or academies that are like necessarily pitching songs to A&R, like on behalf of, you know, the students or whatever. So I think that's a dope concept. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's the fun part is that like, there obviously are a lot of like online schools. And like, you know, there are other like discord communities like it. But as like an entrepreneur, kind of, we get to like decide how the, all the features that we want to put in the discord and you know like we did like a remix contest for like one of my songs my latest single perfect you know and now i get to like send the best remixes to the a and of defected uh like there's just like lots of opportunity to kind of be creative in like a business perspective and like i found that as a dj and producer i didn't really have that before because it was kind of like well you get to go play shows and you can make merch and you can sell your music on you can put your music on Spotify and Beport, but other than that, it's like it's not as much room to like have these kind of collaborations with companies and totally run <laughs> stuff like that. It's, yeah, it's man. Really cool. I think it was really smart for you to do that. And I saw a lot of artists pivot during the whole COVID thing and start teaching more. Yeah. Um, but like teaching is definitely a unique skill. Like it's I don't think it's something everybody can do, but it sounds like it's been working out really well for you. I've watched a couple of your tutorials and it was, it was great. Um, I saw the one where you talking about doing reference tracks. On YouTube or no? That was on your site. It was embedded. I think it oh, was it on YouTube embedded. as well. Yeah, but so yeah. We, we take some of the the tutorial videos that I do and that the other guest coaches do and we try to like clip it up and put it on YouTube so people can get some um, kind of content. And if they want the full thing, they can kind of sign up and do it. But yeah, like teaching, I... The thing is, is like, I don't, I think you can like prepare a lot as a teacher and have everything kind of laid out and go through it. I'm more of like on the fly. Like when I do like a video, I don't like plan out exactly what I'm going to do. I kind of like have a general idea and then I just kind of wing it on the fly. So I feel like sometimes when you do that, you get like a lot of gold nuggets of information, but sometimes it's a little bit jumbled. So it's something I'm definitely working on, but um, yeah. I don't see myself being an artist and not being involved with education and somehow like i think it's something that no matter where my music career goes like up down i'm gonna try to kind of have a role in it and somehow because i think yeah. you know i'm sure the way you learned electronic music was like youtube tutorials like that's kind of how a lot of people um learn just getting free information online so it's like it's kind of like my way of giving back as well as to, to have this available for people yeah and having that like immediate feedback, I think it's really helpful for a lot of people too, because you could just kind of get lost in the sea of YouTube and just like, then you don't always know the right questions to ask, right? Unless somebody's like, yo, this is how I do it. Yeah. But There's some really talented people on YouTube, like, like where I'm like, it's just crazy how much knowledge they have and like how good sound designers they are or producers or whatever it is. Um, I think like one of the unique things that we have is that like a lot of our guest coaches and um myself and, and the ones that we have internally like they're all kind of touring djs and producers so a lot of times like youtube guys like they just do youtube they don't really like release that much music on their own like it's true they don't really tour. so it's like it's a yeah. little bit more of like a holistic feature um because it's like we're getting people that like know the touring side of things they know the business side of things they kind of know the label side of things um and like we want to be this kind of like complete package if you're a tech house producer like that's the place you need to be like if you're not in kick and bass it's like you're severely missing out on your opportunity as like an artist yeah so let's talk a little bit about some of the things you do teach like inside your discord like what are 
some things that either you've been learning or some things you're really passionate about or some like Ableton hacks that you've been doing lately? Love to like talk some more specific stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. So like we, 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 we do a video each week and we kind of alternate between like longer videos that are like something you would sit down for make maybe an hour to two hours and, and consume. So those will be like track breakdowns um, or create a beat from scratch. The, the create a beat from scratch is definitely like our most popular video because people like to see kind of creation and creativity on the fly. That's often where a lot of people struggle is like getting ideas for sounds or melodies or arrangement ideas. So those it's kind of, you know, we cover everything like they'll start with like a drum loop and we'll add, you know, a bunch of sounds and then we'll arrange it out and we'll add automation. So you really get like in one of those videos, you kind of get so many tips and tricks. I couldn't even really, you know, a lot of automation ideas. You get a lot of arrangement decisions. So for example, you know, in-house music, you know, it's a very repetitive, a song is usually very repetitive. So finding ways to switch things up in different sections without making it too drastic, like little tricks on drums to kind of change the way they sound in one section without really changing their overall tone, like little things like that. Like, so those are like the the longer videos that the creative beat from scratch and a track breakdown. Obviously people want to see, you know, what you use to make sounds like what were your presets? What, what did the melodies look like? What did the MIDI look like for that? Um, how did you process your vocal? And then we have shorter videos and they kind of like encompass anything like one series that we've been not really series, but a theme we've been focusing on has been how to like steal stuff from other people's tracks. And <laughs> so it's like, how, how would you steal a kick drum? Um, and like Moose, for example, did a video on that where you kind of go to the intro, you take, cut out your kick drum from the, the reference song you're working on. Then you put in Ableton the EQ3. So you have your low, mids, and highs, and you duplicate the track three times. So you have one section with just the lows, one with the mids, and ones with the highs. Consolidate each, or you freeze and fly in each track, and then you get um, basically that kick drum that you stole in three different you know sounds the lows the mids the highs because oftentimes when you take a track from the intro there's maybe like some shakers there or some other yeah. sounds you don't want and so by like splitting it you know the shaker probably only lives in the high frequency section so you can kind of like move the sample back and cut that out and like i actually didn't know that before and like i've been using that a ton so we kind of have like little tips like that you know, we had a video recently on stereo versus mono kind of compatibility. And, you know, a lot of times we highlight plugins that the, the coaches use. So this is one from Boxengo called MSED. I don't know if you know that I've one. never heard of that. I'm going to check that out. You know Span? Probably, right? I, yeah, I've heard of Span. I haven't played with it, but yeah. Yeah, so Span is just like a frequent spectrum analyzer. MSED, it's like a free plugin. It's their kind of like all things stereo very similar to like the utility in um, Ableton, but it's a lot, you know, it has more a lot detailed. more power. Yeah, it's more detailed, it's more powerful in my opinion. So yeah. there's something called like a correlometer on there. So you can kind of see if sounds are gonna be out of phase, you know, they'll, when you sum them to mono, it'll lose a lot of volume, the mm -hmm. nice little bar there. So Moose kind of went over that. And, you know, I like to do some like tips and tricks in there where I'll basically put this plugin on my master and, you know, in with the utility in Ableton, you can, I, you can listen just in mono. There's like a, a mono button, but with this plugin, you mute everything in the middle. So like a lot of times I'll do that to try to like catch sounds that shouldn't really be in the stereo field. Like maybe it's like a bass that's like really wide or like the kick drums there, or just like something's like super loud in stereo. I'll kind of use that. So we it's pretty much we're just taking everything that we've learned, like no holding back any tips and tricks and kind of giving it to our members. We're making house music, you know, so there isn't as much emphasis on like music theory, for example. We don't really teach much music theory. Um, I feel like there's people that make better music theory videos on YouTube. So like if someone has a question about like scales or music theory, I'm like, all right, I got the video for you. Like watch this, like you're going to learn a ton. But it's like we don't really focus on that as much. Um, yeah, yeah, those are some examples. And like when it comes to like playing with like mid side and like playing and splitting different frequencies, I've been playing a lot more with audio effects racks in Ableton to be able to do that and just kind of custom hack it for students who don't have plugins and get expensive sometimes too. But 
but yeah, man, there's so many plugins out there. It's crazy these days. We try to offer like for a lot of the videos that are pre-recorded, I did like create a beat from scratch. I did it with just like Ableton stock stuff and samples so oh. that like, if you didn't, you don't know, have all these plugins. But after I did that video, a lot of people were like, oh, we want to see like the full one where you like go all in and like use your stuff because a lot, a lot of our producers are like really, really fucking good. Like these are people that are, you know, getting music signed and have charted and blah, blah, blah. And they're just kind of like, you know, trying to get from that 90% to that like hundred percent level. And it's like, that is so hard as a producer because you, you can watch all the tutorials and then you get to this level where you're like, your music's good, but it's like, how do you get it to like that fully professional level? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we try to offer that for a lot of producers as well. Any other plugins that like you're really into for like your own music? Um, one I just actually yesterday recorded a video on is there's this guy, um, Glacias. He's a uh, British DJ and he has his own studio called Woodland Studios and he started making plugins. The first plugin he made was like a saturator specifically for bass. I think it's called like WS Low End or, or something like that. I can send you the link to his website, but he just um, made a, a plugin that's an emulation plugin of this synth called the Bolsa Bass. Have you heard of it? Uh, yeah, I've heard of it. I haven't played like with it. Pink box basically, and uh, he it's like it's a, it's a bass kind of synthesizer, and so he made this this, this plugin called the Wolsa Bass, W O W O L S A, and it's it's a digital uh, emulation of this old school synth, but you can like save the presets, you can tweak a lot of things that you weren't able to. It's like a really simple synthesizer. Like there's they don't have like oscillators, they just have like six different color modes. Um, this looks that, fun. I'm looking at it right now. It's like 80 euros. Yeah, it's it's around 100 bucks, but the, it has like a really nice like kind of analog warmth to it. Mm. And I like how simple it is. Like there's only there's a cutoff, a, it's a cutoff knob. There's a um, resonance knob. There's an attack and a release. And then there's like these different oscillators kind of that you can pick. So there's really not many parameters that you can tweak. There's like yeah. also an effect section. So I kind of like that because it's like I feel like for a lot of people if you're making bass lines for house music, you're going to use a synth serum or silent. And it's just like, it can be overwhelming with the amount of parameters and like effects that you can mess with. But a lot of times for this kind of music, you just want like a simple bass line that sounds really fat and full and maybe has some warmth to it and the movement to it. And so like this, we just did like, I just did a video on this and we're going to be offering a, a discount for all our members. So 20% discount for two weeks. It hasn't been announced yet, but Sick. Yeah, this looks cool. I'll have to try this out. Maybe I'll hit him up and be like, hey, how about that NFR? Yep, yep. <laughs> hit him up. Um, yeah. he's, uh, I connected with him on Instagram at Glacias. Okay. Or whatever. But yeah, like um, that was have like you, a plugin. That, have you ever played with Ableton's bass synth plugin? It's just called Bass. That's all it is. A, is it a new one that like, came out on Ableton 11 or no? I think it came out in 10. It's part of the Max for Live Essentials pack. But yeah, it's just called bass and it sounds crazy good. It's got like a, it's an analog emulation kind of bass feel, um, but it's really simple. It's like this is the most simple thing you could really throw down. It's I mean, you can go deeper into it, but it, you just basically can layer like four oscillators. It's got like a sine triangle square. But I will admit that my one of my weaker points is Ableton and is their um, native instruments not native instruments like the company, but the ones that they include. Oh, there's, yeah, their stock sounds. I don't use a lot of their stock synthesizers. Um, <laughs> like my buddy John he, Summit, he uses Operator a ton, like for all his yeah. bass lines, he pretty much uses Operator. And people were yeah. like, whoa, we thought you used like some crazy stuff. And it's like, yeah. nope, all you need is like a simple operator. Um, yeah. That's the thing though, is like my feeling is use whatever gives you the results that you want, whether it's a plugin or whether it's a stock sound. Um, but I mean, that said, Ableton, if you know how to dial in like operator or analog, like analog, one of the first things I learned when I was studying at Dubspot in New York City down the street from you, it used to be anyway. Rest do, you know, do you know Devin James? Devin James. Or Cody, Cody like Murray? Cody Murray. I feel like I should. They worked at Dubspot. I heard a lot of bad things about Dubspot afterwards. With Oh, the dude, it changed. Like, I was there back in, like, the prime OG days of Dubspot, like, back in 2013. Yeah. And then, at, like, I think 2015, it started to take a dive because 
there was I all kinds like, of stuff. Yes, yeah, some owner, shady... like left with a lot of like equipment or money or something. Yeah, like was... that was like it was kind of like icon collective at that spot. Like back, you know, that's when I was in college, and like I th- those guys were instructors there. I don't know if they did the production or DJing, but they definitely. Yeah, like I think 2015, 2016 is when a lot of the main guys that made it what it was left. What about the guy who's a dubstep infused? Is he one of them or no? I don't know. I'm not infused. Anywho, yeah, I mean, rest in peace. It was a great place. But one of the first things that I learned was like how to dial in the analog instrument for sub bass. And like you can get fat bass sound just playing with Ableton's analog. It just, it's wild. Just go in there and then there's like a little sub section you just turn up that sub and out of the box just like boom like your speakers will be like it'd be like a fan just like blowing all over you <laughs> just like a lot yeah. of bass well what i mean once you get it dialed in like you know those synths are great i mean i i do think that ableton didn't have good like instrument sounds in my opinion like like the piano like the, the presets yeah like yeah the presets, some like of the yeah. strings were not great and so i kind of like when i figured that out and another thing for me was that i actually started on reason so I was like a Reason 4 user mm-hmm. and like I basically only switched to Ableton in 2015 and like when I was using Reason you actually couldn't like add audio tracks to the to the timeline you had to put the audio in a sampler and then draw out a MIDI note so it was like horrible because you couldn't see the waveform um like if you wanted like an effects you had to like put in a sampler like a riser it was like a huge pain in the ass um and I do I haven't really gone back to reason since but there was a lot of cool stuff but when i got ableton like i had never had plugins before i never had like presets like that was like one of the big reasons i switched was like it's like dude, there's all these like massive at the time i was like i need massive like everyone's using massive for all these sounds and so i became like a kind of like a plugin and um preset whore and i just was using those as much as possible i didn't really like try out enough of the instruments and now it's just kind of like a bad habit I never yeah really... hey man honestly as long as it's a habit that gets you what you want out of it who cares yep. that's how yeah, i feel yeah, yeah. the sub sign base preset in ableton is my favorite and i know that's like a signature for a lot of people um uh operator preset or no yeah it is you just type in sub sign sub sign i know this hip-hop it sub or something that's like a big one people use yeah, that's so. Yeah, they actually changed the name of the hip hop sub bass. Yeah, and now it's called sub sign, and then they also have a basic sub sign. So they kind of made another version of the same. I've definitely used to be hip hop sub bass before. Like that is. Yeah, the- this is like Alive Eleven changed the name of it. Now it's sub sign bass. But yeah, that's probably my favorite sub bass go to. Yeah. You put like a saturator behind that, and then like even run it like parallel through a drum bus and turn the dry wet down to like forty percent. You can get some thickness out of it it's nice uh, the drum bus is awesome that was a i think that came in 10 point something right drum bus yeah a uh, drum bus was live 10 and yeah man that maybe it was like 10.1 or two i don't remember but yeah like I, I was talking to somebody on the podcast the other day who was i forget who it was they ran like four drum buses in parallel through like some of their synths which was crazy like they put it on the insert of the track they pulled it down to like 30 percent and they grouped it and they threw like another two more drum buses on the group. And then they ran that parallel as well to like another like 50% each and added some crunch and stuff. And like some of the biggest, fattest synth sounds I've ever heard in my life. I think that was um, Amber Steak. He worked with like Glitch Mob and a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, badass. to go back to what you were saying about sub bass. So like it, obviously every producer is different, but in like Tech House, a lot of the guys, like they don't, use separate sub bases for their bass they kind of like have the sub aspect of their bass line and like the more 100 to 300 hertz like mid part like all in one sound so like mm-hmm. when i produce i actually don't really ever have like a separate sub even if i have like a re-space for example i kind of just use whatever like low end comes in the synth yeah um, in the patch yeah and i know for different genres like for something like future bass or dubstep, like where there's a lot of layering going on with like chords and um and, and leads, like having a separate sub bass is just like more than norm. But it's just like interesting yeah. because like there are some house guys that will separate their sub. There's a lot of guys that that won't. Um and yeah, it's just like a interesting point about production because like everyone kind of does it their own way. Yeah. Um, yeah for sure and a lot of plug-in presets are built already with that in mind like they're already saturating like 
above like 250 hertz or whatever just to like and then like they're stereoizing it and then making mono below like you know 200 hertz just to get that fat top sound that actually can be heard on like shitty iphone speakers (laughs) but that kind of thing that's like a huge thing in tech house too because it's like a lot of times the the baseline you're not gonna have a super like top end to the baseline like it you want it to have that dark that darkness to it but at the same time like you want to be able to kind of hear at least some of the melody and the rhythm of the baseline on like a phone if you're playing a track on instagram or whatever yeah and so like a lot of like careful precision is done with like saturation to kind of get those harmonics like boosted on like a filtered saw wave like that's probably the most classic like tech house baseline is like a filtered saw wave and like that you know it really like the 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 cutoff frequency like the difference between 200 and 10 hertz on a cutoff versus like 200 like 25 like like those little minute differences can make a big difference so like when i'm producing i'm always like kind of like where's the sweet spot here and how do i saturate this just to get like a tad more buzz um because it's like you want to keep it dark and like gritty but you want to have a little bit of that so yeah thing that we kind of teach in kick and bass as well is like bass processing and layering and all that yeah especially in dance music i mean you got to be doing those tweaks and stuff for sure yeah yeah for sure i also noticed that when you got up and left you had a sub pack on your chair and i love my sub pack yeah it's a game changer I, i could talk a little bit about my like listening setup so i was like um you can't see it but right next to me i have rocket fives that i bought in high school so they've been with me almost 10 years um and like i was pretty much like using them to produce until like 2018 and i was talking with like my matt i was talking with a producer buddy from australia who we we both use the same mastering engineer it's this guy klaus heavyweight hill um he's uh he's a dude in australia he's sick he's done like a lot of big records like you know that tiktok song like um astronaut in the ocean or something it's like i don't, I don't think so I'll just I check know, that it, out. Was like a, it was like a really big like viral tiktok song he, he's a sick engineer he does a lot of uh house guys like chris lorenzo chris lorenzo's album and stuff but oh, cool. he was he was basically like look and like unless you have a studio with like a treated room with like really good acoustics like yeah. mid-tier monitors are just not gonna sound great like even if you get like adams or what general x or whatever it is it's mm-hmm. like you're way better bang for your buck getting a super nice pair of headphones yeah. and a sub pack because yeah. so I, I basically made the switch in 2018 to headphones and i got these uh the Audis lcdx i actually bought them from john for like those are great months. those are great headphones I, everybody i've met that has those love those they're amazing it took me like a month to kind of get used to it because there really is no like low end on the open backs but that's why yeah. you have the sub pack so yeah um do you have an amp for those 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 take an amp don't they yeah you could use an amp but when i've used them i i just went through my interface and there's like enough power to you know i actually never experienced them with amp actually my friend's cid he's he bought an amp for it like a nice 200 buck like amp like something substantial and it's like it definitely sounds nicer and you get a little more like stereo kind of space but it's like kind of like 10% nicer in my opinion, 15%. Like you get most of it just from having it. Um, Yeah. But yeah, so I got those in the sub pack and like, I never realized, like I just didn't know what was going on with the sub because I never owned a sub. Rocket fives, like the five inch woofer is just really not doing much for the sub. And then I was like, whoa, I can actually like understand the sub of a kick and the sub of a baseline. Like I'll watch YouTube videos with them on and like, I'll fucking hear it like rattling. And I'm like, those guys should have cut that out. So yeah, yeah. it's totally changed the production game and mixing game for me. And like, I, whenever people recommend like a setup, I'm always like, you know, if, especially in New York, like I can't have a subwoofer. I'm in my living room right now. I live in a one bedroom apartment. I I can't make a studio room. Um, So yeah, that's um, the thing. No, I totally agree, man. I did the exact same thing too. Cause anybody listening, like most people don't have the right acoustic setup where they put their desk and their computer to produce. That's just a thing, right? Cause most of us are in the bedroom or whatever, unless you got a big ass setup and you can just treat the room with diffusers and foam and all this stuff and get the dimensions right. Like I agree. Having really solid headphones and a sub pack, I think is a good solution for a lot of people. I was trying to get a Dennis Foley on the podcast. He has a website called acousticfields.com 
And basically he works with artists in these situations who are like, Hey, my room's too small. I can't get my speakers to sound great. They spend like, you know, $3,000 on awesome speakers that they'll never actually be able to really hear. And uh, because of the room, like I would much rather pay money to have a nicer room with okay speakers than having the nicest speakers in a small room that doesn't work for them. So he, but anyway, he works with artists on a budget. So you just send them the dimensions, you measure out your room, you take pictures, you send it to him and him and his like super smart team of acousticians will like create these algorithms for your room and they'll like create cabinets and special diffusers on a budget on your budget and they'll send it to you in the mail and uh i paid like three thousand dollars for my diffusers um and which i sold them because they weigh 400 pounds each and i'm moving to colorado (laughs) but but it was mind-blowing what those did yeah were they base traps or were they just diffusers so they're called acoustic diaphragmatic absorbers, which is a crazy word, but they're like full of sand and carbon and like all this other stuff. And yeah. you have these giant, they're like huge cabinets. They're probably like, I don't know, seven feet tall and like four oh, wow. and five feet wide. But yeah, they're crazy heavy. Like it's, but yeah. it, it made a world of difference in my studio. And now I'm just like doing the nice headphones and the sub pack thing on the go. But. Yeah, I, I've realized that like, well, one acoustics is like, really fucking complicated, like unless you understand physics really well. And like math, it can get there's just so many exceptions. Like I took an acoustics class in college. And I was it was actually one of the hardest classes I took. It was just like, the levels that you can get into with like the way that sound works in rooms is like, um, pretty crazy. And like, I remember I did order some bass traps from uh, what's like the big website that like, the big company GLC uh glc maybe or um i think it's called they're like bass traps and like even then like you just like need to like install them perfectly like i like i I maybe paid like 500 dollars for two of them and like no they're not glk gik gik yeah that's yeah yeah monster bass traps that's exactly what i got and i was like i don't really notice much of a difference here and they like looked really ugly in my room and like that was kind of the turning point i was like you know, if I like, this is not going to be, I was living at home at the time. I was like, I know if I do anything with this room, like I'm not going to live here that long. Um, like, unless like you have a space, you're like, this is kind of like my permanent space. I'm going to really invest in making this my studio. Um, I also don't use any like hardware. Like I actually don't even use a MIDI keyboard. So really, yeah, I literally am like completely in the box. Okay. Um, so like I, for me, it's like, I don't really need like a studio space. Like I like kind of being mobile. And yeah, you know, I used to think that you have to do like your mix downs and every mastering like all yourself. And it's like, that's really, I realized like as you get bigger as an artist is like not the case, like all your favorite artists are all using people to help them with mix downs and mastering. And there's, I used to be like insecure about it. And I'm like, there's absolutely like no reason to be like, there's people that are professionals. Maybe they own like analog equipment that you're just never going to get your hands on. It's like nice warmth to it or whatever it is. Yeah. So like you know i can always get a separate pair of ear on things it's not like you know i'm making all the decisions in this room like i can really produce with anything i could produce on my laptop speakers probably and make a bang and track and like just listen to it you know send it to someone if something needs to be tweaked you know it's not there yeah. so it, it really doesn't like i think people there's this like internet consensus that like you have to have like this like like your mixing is going to get way better once you get these new headphones or this new speakers or whatever and yeah. like that's just not the case like you'll, you'll be so really disappointed when you buy and all this shit and it's like still you know and honestly some of the people i know who have like the most badass studios with all this crazy outboard gear release the least amount of tracks yeah. <laughs> that's a whole separate other conversation because like it's kind of like the joke about like modular synthesis as well is like the more you know the guys with like the crazy you know modular rigs it's like they're Where's the music? Like it just never yeah. gets released. And I, but there's nothing wrong with that as well. Like I think it's sick. And like that's something like in the future, I definitely want to um develop more with my music is like a hands-on approach because I think it's super fun. I know it's super fun because I've yeah. done stints in studios and I just like don't it's not the best time for me to like start building all this. I need to kind of just like keep go doing what I'm doing. But like I do want to have that studio one day where I have like a bunch of since and old school since and maybe some modular stuff and you know um that's like the kind of dream to get to that point but uh, yeah 
No, I've definitely been tempted to go down the modular route and I've had to fight it so many times because it's just like, first of all, it's pretty damn expensive. But I know that once I get one, I'm just going to like not see the sun for like five days and I would literally just play with it constantly. And like, I love my, uh, I love my sub 37, my Moog. Uh, That thing is really great. It's a happy balance, I think, with like actual keys tied into it and it just sounds thick and juicy, but all I really need, like if you had to take everything away from me, as long as I have my push too, I feel like I'm happy. I never got into like, um, what would you call the push two and like machine, like se- not sequencers, but like- it's Just like a control surface kind of basically, yeah. I've heard people like swear by them and be like, they're the best thing ever. And, you know, for me, I've like always wondered how I would use it as a, with the music that I make, but- um, yeah. yeah, I know, do you know Sarah Sims? Sarah Sarah Sims she's a tech house producer from Toronto um the name is super familiar yeah she used to be the product rec uh for mixing key um but she yeah she she loves the push she's a big advocate of it when she had it and she makes a lot of tech house music um like how do you use the push when in well like first of all for anybody yeah it's, it's a loaded question there's a lot of ways you could use it but i typically mostly use it as like a beat pad like i really love the pads on this thing it's like really sensitive it's also a great step sequencer too for like building a beat really fast on the yeah. pads but um it i mean it basically is just controlling ableton so i don't have to touch my computer it's less mouse clicks which i enjoy and yeah. it's um it's a really great way to make beats really fast it's it's great for people who don't have a lot of music theory because um you can just lock everything into scale really fast yeah and play all the notes and you always know it's in key that's always nice too um because honestly that up it's like sick because it's like you kind of can just like switch between you know instruments and use Mm -hmm. it as a keyboard or sequencer and stuff i'm always just like daunted by the task of like getting it plugged in and like getting all the the mappings correct and blah 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 Um, yeah well, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I started making a lot more templates when Live 11 came out because they added that template in the browser. It's like in your face now. So like I have a template set up and the push is really plug and play. Like it automatically recognizes once you plug in. So it's there's yeah. really no setup, which is kind of nice. That makes sense. It was the first, the push two is the first controller that was made in-house by Ableton. Before that, they had Akai help um, like Akai worked with Ableton to do some stuff, but the push was the first real in-house controller made by Ableton. Yeah. I, the way I produce is also like very, hmm, I don't want to say like robotic is the right word, but it's like, I'm just like very technical about things. So like, for example, like with all my drums and a lot, almost all my sounds, like I very rarely use like samplers or mm-hmm. like at all. Like I'm very much like on the grid kind of adjust things. I like to like manually adjust stuff. I don't really like to use, I, I do use groove pools like a decent amount actually, but like a lot of times I'll just like manually move stuff. Um, I never, I never play anything in. I almost always draw all my melodies um, really? and rhythms. Like I, I, I use the keyboard that I use to type to kind of like, just like get notes and to like test out sounds, but I'm, I don't like record and like quantize. So it's just like the way I produce and like kind of music I make like, um, it doesn't have that much of like the hands-on type approach but yeah, yeah. sometimes i get insecure about it because i'm like oh maybe i should be like jamming out a little bit but nah, you know, it doesn't it work for me it works for me you know that's how i feel too man like it doesn't really matter no. i think um you know one thing about the push though is anybody listening that has one if you hold down the quantize button you can adjust the swing knob oh. so you can actually even have the notes programmed like you would do you just like program it in there and then you could also like swing it too if you wanted to swing those notes in the sequencer, uh, which could be fun too. Does that work off of the groove pool or does it work off a track delay or is it just like a sitting swing? It's, it's like a swing. So you, it like will record new notes in there. If you just like tap a note or whatever, it'll like record it and quantize it to the swing. That's of one the, thing of I, do, the beat. I do love about Ableton is like the, it gives you a lot of different options to introduce groove to your rhythmic elements. So like when I, I mean, this would be a good idea for a video actually for my discord but just like something all about groove because there's just so many ways that you can do it um like i really like the track delay fe- feature yeah so if yeah. i have like one shot percussions or things that are just kind of coming like or like a clap layer for example and like you know if you hit the 
D on the bottom right in Ableton where you can turn on your inputs and outputs and your metering and all that stuff. Um, that'll open up track delay. And like, I usually like play with that, especially with like layering is a lot of times if you like nudge samples like early or late, you can get some nice, you can deal with any phasing issues as well, but you, sometimes you can get like, like a bigger sound and um, it's really great for just, you know, put it on the grid and then later you can like delay them um, to get that swing. But totally. Yeah, track delay is dope. I love track delay. Uh, Dude, it's so good hanging out with you. Um, I would love, I know we're getting close on time right now. We're over the hour mark, which is great. That's a good sign. Whenever I do like a podcast or conversation with someone, I absolutely lose all sense of time. (laughs) Me too, man. 20 minutes. If I didn't have a clock in my face, we'd probably be at this another three hours, honestly. But but yeah, I mean, before we before we head out, where's the best place for people to connect with you and and follow you on the socials or your website or whatever? So the best place is if you go to my Instagram, which is it's the West End. There is a link in the bio. It's kind of I don't know if you've heard of like Linktree before, but I switched to this new website called Solo. So I think mine. I should I just made the change. So I'm gonna spit this URL. I, I use Linktree. I'm curious what made you change. Dude, Linktree just looks like ass. Like this uh, <laughs> solo, solo just looks way better. It's the same price. Um, and like, uh, yeah, also, yeah. So it's solo.to slash West End. Okay, um, I've seen that. Yeah, that is where pretty much all my social links are there. Um, all my upcoming shows and festivals and new music and um, a link to Kick and Bass is there as well. So that's that's the best place. Um, pretty much on all socials, my handles is it's the West End. I-T-S-T-H-E, West End, W-S-T-E-N-D. Yeah, that's that's probably the best place you could find me. I have a promo email as well. So if you're a producer and you want to send me some music, it's it's the West End promos at gmail.com. Um, I don't really give promo feedback there because I do so much promo feed or do so much feedback in my Discord. Uh, if you're just sending me music to to play in my sets, you can send me stuff there. But uh, yeah. Sick. Yeah, and I forgot to ask you this as well. Um any upcoming projects that you're excited about that you're going to be doing self-releases, whatever else? Yeah. So I have a, a remix that's coming out at the end of the month for uh, this DJ Vice is his name. W-E-I-S-S. Uh, he's uh, I'm remixing one of his songs on D for Dance, which is one of Defected sub labels. So super excited about that one. It's kind of like a more um, kind of like crossover tech house, commercial house type sound. Um, really just nice track to listen to like the car vibing out and then yeah i got a couple releases coming in the months after that some more club focused stuff um which i'm excited to put out as well some labels that i've already released on some new labels so you can be on the lookout for that um i do plan on having some more youtube videos as well so if you're a producer especially like house or tech house you could head to my youtube channel i believe it's just west end but if you go to that solo link it's there's a link there so I'll include the links, everybody, in the show notes, too. So listening right now, make sure you go check that out. Yeah, that's where everything will be. But yeah, I mean, this year, it's like I have a really big festival schedule. So we've already announced like Bonnaroo, which I'm really excited about. Oh, nice, dude. I'll probably be there. Oh, then we got to hang to come see you. Yeah, dude, that'd be dope. Yeah, I'll be there. Um, yeah, that, that would be awesome. But yeah, just like I'm playing a bunch of uh, dope festivals. Some are announced, some aren't. So chances are i'll probably be where you live but yeah i don't know yeah i want to i'll definitely come check a show out yeah, sometime. Dang. i've never been to bonnaroo before and uh i i haven't been either and i've had tickets to go like two years in a row and then something came up so this will uh, be the year hopefully no rain or any mud or anything like that that was like the big problem last year oh right oh yeah i heard about that uh, yeah but yeah yeah Some- Sometimes that makes it better though. Like I've been to like shows like Red Rocks and it was just pouring rain. And as long as it's not cold, everybody's like, fuck yeah, dude, it's good. Oh no, I love like a good rain at a festival, but the festival didn't even happen this year because it like rained before. Yeah, that's no good. Yeah, that's yeah. Ain't nobody got time for that. As long as it doesn't like mess with the logistics, like a good rain kind of cleanses out the crowd out. And that's true. All the people who didn't wear deodorant, it just kind of yeah, gets exactly. that stench away, which is nice. And, but then you wait like half an hour and then <laughs> got that like wet moldy smell on that's true yeah you don't want to stand in that it's no good no. sick uh, tyler dude, yeah, thanks this... for having me on this was really awesome uh, yeah thanks for joining man i appreciate it your music's cool i love it everybody go check out west end um check out the links in the show notes as always make sure you give them a like a follow maybe join the discord and yeah man let's definitely hang and talk soon
Yeah, 100%. Let's, uh, let's, let's stay in touch. Yeah, for sure, man. Take it All easy. Right. See ya. All right, peace. Big thanks to Tyler for hanging out on the podcast. Make sure you check out West End and uh, see all the links in the show notes. Yeah, give him a follow. Also, if you don't own the latest version of Ableton Live, I'd be happy to hook you up with a special deal. You can learn more about that by going to liveproducersonline.com slash buy Ableton. Save some of that piggy bank and yeah, get a deal purchasing Ableton Live. Also, if you want to join my Discord and hang out with me and other producers, ask questions, learn some new Ableton hacks and tips and tricks, then join the Discord. Uh, go to liveproducersonline.com Discord. Much love, everybody. Hope you have a wonderful week. Go make some hot tracks, and I will see you in the next episode. Later. <laughs>